And here we go, another installment of Dose of Dog, presented by Embark. Check them out online, or hey, even stop on by here, right next to Memorial High School off of Claremont Ave in Eau Claire. Uh, doggy training classes going on, doggy daycare, the grooming, of course. And as always, Heather is with us. How's it going? It's good. You know, and again, every day. Everybody remember to go back and check uh, all of the episodes. And we know episodes from even two years ago continue to get uh, great listenership. <laughs> uh, go back. It's a bit of a time warp, too, because we were right in the middle yeah. of, uh, of the pandemic. So it's, it's, it's intriguing to hear some of this uh, conversation. But go back, catch up on things. And, uh, and it's a lot of fun to do that. And obviously, this will be a great episode as well. Because, Heather, I know uh, you're going to talk about treats. We've seen mm -hmm. ads for treats for years. <laughs> you know, they're, they're marketing to us humans yes. for the doggy <laughs> treats. Uh, but you're going to do the pocket guide to treats. The pocket guide to treats. It's kind of appropriate, right? We're, we're recording this right after Halloween, heading into, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, where there's a lot of human treats around. So how appropriate to uh, uh, talk a little bit about treats. And, and I thought, oh, my gosh, can I talk about this for a whole podcast? But... I think I can. So, <laughs> uh, you, you know, we, I, I talk so much in, like Scott said, all the previous podcasts about reinforcement, rewards, treats. Um, but I've never really talked about what that means. And I think it's easy for myself, for my staff, as professional dog trainers, we have a very clear picture as to when we say reward your dog, exactly what that looks like. And so I know you guys can't read our minds. <laughs> so I think talking about treats, I think it's kind of one of those subjects that um, people wonder, you know, I talk a lot about reinforcement. Reinforcement builds behavior and reward behaviors that you like. And, and you know, using food to do behavior modification and using food to associatively pair things that might be worrisome to a dog. But, you know, maybe in my mind that might mean a tiny sliver of chicken breast and maybe for someone else what their vision looks like is they're associatively pairing maybe the site of the nail trimmers with like a giant milk bone <laughs> and so there is a big difference there <laughs> in terms of what a treat might look like what a snack might look like what what food might look like for, that we'd use for um, enrichment exercises or enrichment um uh, pieces that you'd add into your dog's world. So let's talk about that. And I think there's, there's, there's a lot to treats. I know, you know, it's easy to just think, oh, well, you just reward your dog, but there's, <clears throat> there's a lot of things you can use. There's a lot of different value things you can use, and that's really important. And then there's a lot of ways to deliver it. Um, you know, it's all dependent on so many factors, you know, the size of your dog, the health of your dog, the, the, um, you know, size of the human. I mean, if you are a, you know, six foot two person and you have a, a five and a half pound Yorkie, <laughs> your treat delivery is going to be a little bit different than maybe if you're a six two person and you have, you know, a big Cane Corso or a Great Dane or something that's tall. Um, or vice versa, you know, a shorter human that has a taller dog or whatever it might look like. So um, there's kind of a lot of nuance to it, which you don't really think about. Um, and I think we as trainers and behavior consultants will advise certain kinds of foods, certain delivery methods, um, certain mechanics to your delivery. And 
just to kind of fit the team that we're working with. So I thought I'd go into kind of why we make some of those decisions and what maybe would be the best for you. So, <clears throat> so you know, I talk a lot about treats. So my vision when I say treats <clears throat> is something that we're using to reinforce a behavior usually. So we're either reinforcing a behavior or we're doing classic conditioning possibly for a behavior modification program. So when I say training treats, I mean high value and high value meaning good quality um, because we're going to be using a lot. So that when I think of treats, I think of training treats. So something that's very small that is effective at reinforcing a behavior or effective at pairing something maybe that might be worrisome to the dog with something good. So when I say treats, I'm, that's kind of what my vision looks like. Really small, um, higher quality of some sort. Now that would be different than if we talk about giving our dog a snack. And I think sometimes there's a big delineation between the pet dog world so maybe what you'd see advertised on TV versus what dog trainers use. So what you may see on a commercial could be uh, the dog comes in um, from going outside or the owner comes home and they give their dog a snack. So that might be like a big milk bone or uh, a sausage or, or a big piece of something. So the dog hasn't really done anything. You're not necessarily reinforcing a behavior. A snack is kind of just one a thing that is reinforcing to the humans, right? <laughs> like, you're such a good dog. I know you didn't really do anything, but here's a snack. So we're not utilizing it to be gaining new behaviors or changing certain behaviors. We're just giving it to make us feel good, right? Um, I mean, I think of my own dogs and, you know, they get, you know, the crusts of bread. <laughs> like, I give them pieces of my sandwich. Um, I mean, I'm a person that always shares food with my dogs. So <clears throat> that might be like a snack. Like, I'm not necessarily doing anything. But maybe I'm eating lunch and I'm going to give you, you know, the crust of my sandwich, perhaps. Uh, now, of course, even in that scenario, there are parameters that I like to have around when I'm eating. <laughs> so you can be sitting there um, and and obviously that's when I would deliver it if you're if the behavior that you're doing in the moment is appropriate. So that would be like a snack. And then we look at like enrichment foods. So enrichment could be you're actually taking their whole meal <clears throat> and you're putting it in a puzzle or you're doing a scatter feed or you're doing a snuffle box or you're using it in a way so that the dog has to kind of um, seek out those little pieces of food. So that's how we use enrichment. And all of those are fantastic. Like those are all, you know, great ways to utilize food. Um, you know, I would say for the training end and the enrichment piece, those should be more dog food like items um, to, to give your dog. So so those, that when I when I talk about training treats, I'm I'm gonna kind of dive into kind of what that that looks like. Now I always have to caveat that by saying if you have a dog with specific health concerns, allergies, um, you know, um, intolerances of some kind of protein, obviously consider that. I'm not a veterinarian, <laughs> um, so that might be something you'll have to work with your veterinarian to kind of find what would be appropriate for your own dog, whether it is allergies or possible ki kidney issues or you know, urine, you know, urinary crystals or um, bladder stones or whatever it might be. So that, that, that is going to be something that you're going to have to have that conversation with your dog's, um, your dog's doctor about what kind of treats would be appropriate. So, um, so and the other thing I like to talk about is, you know, it's interesting because I'll ask people, you know, 
what is your dog's favorite food in the universe? And they usually, you know, usually I ask, what are your dog's favorite reinforcers, especially when we're doing behavior work? And they'll say, well, you know, they really like, you know, zooks, or they really like um, a certain kind of dog treat. And I'll ask, well, what about chicken? Like just plain boiled chicken. And a lot of people say, oh, I don't get my dog's human food. But for myself, I don't consider the food that we eat human food. I just consider it food <laughs> because what goes into making dog food? Human food. If you look at a dog food bag, there is chicken and broccoli and eggs and, you know, um, cheese and, and cranberries and whatever it might be, which is foods that we typically eat. So I guess I don't decide human food versus dog food. I just call it all food. Now, obviously, there's human foods that you're absolutely going to avoid with your dog, like chocolate and raisins and macadamia nuts, um, anything with <clears throat> um, sugar alcohols in them, like, you know, sugar-free gum and things like that. But when I talk about food, I don't consider chicken to be human food. I just consider it to be food. And it's a great, you know, low-fat protein source that most dogs find really palatable. So um, that's, what I, that's what I would like to <laughs> consider when we look at treats. And the other thing to think of is... When you give your dog these treats um, or, or the snack or the enrichment or whatever you're going to be delivering, how do you feel about giving it to them? Like, do you give them something out of package that is that you kind of go, oh, I don't know, I guess you can eat this? Um, or do you go, awesome, here's a little piece of chicken? Because you should feel good about feeding it to them, um, especially if we're doing, you know, high rates of reinforcement and we're using a lot of food and training. So <clears throat> that's something as well to consider, do you feel good about giving it to them? Um, and oftentimes, like I said, you know, providing a snack. So that would be, you know, a big milk bone, you know, pizza crust, <laughs> something like that. Um, you know, it's often reinforcing to us because we're sharing and that's why we have animals, right? We like to share our lives with them. So, so a little bit about value. So in classes, we talk often about um, differentiating the value of your reinforcement. So and I'm talking about food. You know, you don't have to use food to reinforce behaviors. We use tug. We use, like, games of chase. We use, um, I mean, whatever your dog enjoys. Food is what we call a primary reinforcer, which means that your dog comes out of the womb knowing food is good. I mean, puppies are born, and they instantly are looking for milk. <laughs> and so they inherently know food is good. So that's not something we have to teach them. Um, we do sometimes have to teach dogs to take food from our hands. So sometimes we have to teach them how to follow a lure, but they know that food is good. So praise, tug, those things are what we call secondary reinforcers. So we, we have to work to make the dog understand that those are reinforcing because puppies don't come out of the womb knowing to tug. Um, I shouldn't say that. I have a lot of agility friends that I swear their dogs came out of the womb knowing how to tug the Balinois and the Border Collies. But um, it's something they kind of learn that it's a fun game. Um, frisbee, you know, some dogs have to learn that's a fun game. You know, baby neonatal puppies don't, you know, sit in their whelping box going frisbee, frisbee, frisbee. That is a learned <laughs> behavior. So so if, when we talk about uh, value of reinforcers, I'm talking about food. So Let's talk about low, medium, and high value. And you'll often hear me in classes refer to the lower value food as like the minimum wage food. So they get that for doing just kind of the basic stuff. You know, awesome, you're doing a good job, we're still gonna reinforce you. And then I look at the high value as I call CEO value where they're like, whoa, this time I get really good. 
So if you had to kind of put all the things that your dog really likes and rank them from low, medium to high, what would that look like? So I can tell you for most dogs that I work with, um, the low value might be their kibble. It might be Charlie Bears. A lot of people use, you know, Charlie Bear dog treats. They've been around forever and ever and ever. Um, It might be from makes these little O's that look like little like puffy Cheerio kind of things. So that might be something that's palatable, but it's kind of lower value, I guess I would look at. So still good, but not that wow factor. Um, Medium value treats um, might be like Zooks or Tricky Trainers or um, something, you know, sold as a dog treat of some sort. Um, that you can break into little tiny pieces. And then high value, that would be like the meaty stuff for most dogs. And again, you know, kind of caveating that and saying, well, you know, it depends. Because some dogs like will sell their soul for popcorn and they'll turn down, you know, a piece of pork. (laughs) So it just depends on your dog. But most dogs like high value is going to mean things like chicken or pieces of pork or hot dogs. I don't love using hot dogs because personally for myself, they gross me out in the first place. So I tend to not be one that uses a lot of hot dogs. Um, High value might be cheese. It might be smoked cheese. It might be um, any kind of dried organ meat, typically. Dehydrated liver, chicken heart, um, Braunschweiger. Um, So higher value kind of richer usually something that's a little bit smellier and I always in classes we define high value CEO treats as um, small soft and smelly so that is your alliteration of the day small soft and smelly so something you can break into little tiny pieces but is kind of has a wow factor so it's kind of smelly Um, and the dogs go whoa that's fantastic so we usually have a couple of different um, value treats and you know in a training session I might use all three Um, My daycare staff, when they're working with the daycare dogs and they're working on skills with the daycare dogs, so they're teaching them their name and to come away from the fence and to do like a little down up on a corunda bed, they typically have usually two to three value treats in their pouch. So we use kibble, we use Fromadol dog food just to reward the daycare dogs. Um, It's kind of just a general good food. Um, And then they might have some medium or high value food like tripe, like beef tripe, or they might have, um, they have cans of spray cheese. So we might, depending on the dog in the situation kind of flip-flop back and forth between the value of the reinforcer that we're using and again depends on the dog I had a husky that oh my gosh for six weeks of class I swear I went home and I cooked venison hot dogs and ham and I got weird kinds of smoked cheese and that dog turned his nose up at everything he could possibly think of and then um, on the last night of class the woman's granddaughter came with her after swim lessons and she was eating a bag of popcorn and that dog would sell his soul for popcorn and I tried every meaty object you could try (laughs) for like six straight weeks and he turned his nose up and then he wanted plain popcorn so again preferences I mean we all have preferences dogs are no different so we look at low medium and high value treats so Typically, the higher value treats will make your training more effective sometimes. You can use smaller bits. But the key to that is that even if you use a really high value treat and your timing of reinforcement is off, that is not going to be any more effective than, or it's going to be less effective than really using any treats. So let's say, for example, you're getting the dog to, let's just use a sit. That's a really easy thing. Um, The dog sits. So you have, you know, reinforcement of some sort. The dog sits 
and then the dog gets up and then you deliver your high value food. Well, you're not actually reinforcing the behavior that you thought you were. So your timing might have been way off of the target behavior that you were looking for. And that will just make your reinforcement totally invalid. Um, you're just feeding the dog for standing up. So even if you use high value things, your timing should be really effective. And so that's something, and that's just something that's learned. Like good mechanics and dog training are just something you practice. You know, the best dog trainers that I know have really awesome mechanics and they're quick um, to deliver. Their placement of their reinforcer is really important. And I know I've talked about that before. So where are you placing it? How is your timing? Um, um, and how are you delivering it? I mean, those are all really important pieces. And really good dog trainers can kind of switch on the fly depending on, you know, what behaviors that they're looking for. So, um, and with that, you know, we can look at where to deliver. I mean, again, with certain kinds of behaviors that we're, that I'm working with or, you know, behavior modification, I might choose sometimes to reward to the dog's mouth. There might be other times where I reward on the ground. And I've talked a lot about this with reactive dogs, especially um, allowing them to do smelling, sniffing, scavenging behaviors on the ground. Um, doing a little scatter feed where you throw a couple of treats on the ground is kind of a really good reset. When your dog is smelling, scavenging, sniffing, um, you know, the gate to the amygdala where there's fight or flight is kind of blocked in that moment. And so you get a little tiny break, um, especially if you're working with reaction, like dogs' re reactions to other dogs, you get like a little reset, which is really fantastic. <laughs> um, some dogs I might choose to deliver reinforcement in like a squeeze tube. So... Um, we'll use like those little goob tubes. A fantastic product that we carry here is called Bark Pouch. And you should look at her website because she does, they're awesome. Um, if you're lazy like me and you don't want to mix something up and put it in a little squeeze pouch. So the squeeze pouches can look like those little goob tube things that you maybe put, you know, shampoo in when you're traveling. It might look like, like a kid's little applesauce pouch. You can buy those and refill those. Um, but if you just want to buy them and not make them, Bark Pouch is awesome. They come in a whole bunch of different flavors. Um, they are not a sponsor or anything, but I just love their, her, her products. Um, sardines and cream, salmon and cream cheese, chicken and turkey, peanut butter and jelly, liver, beef and liverwurst. I think th those are all the ones that she makes. Um, but sometimes I'll, I'll choose to do that. Tiny dogs, little tiny dogs that their tummies are really little. The little lick pouches work fantastic for them because you can deliver such tiny little amounts. Um, and with small dogs, you have to be more effective with your timing with your delivery because their tummies are so little. You can't just, you know, reset by tossing a treat behind them to get them to come back if you're working on a behavior that, that they need to come and kind of reset and come back to you. Because how many treats can you use? Like they're such tiny little dogs. So delivery is going to be really important too. Um, so some other things to remember sometimes. Um, some dogs are... You know, we kind of have our standard of what we like to use for our own dogs. And some dogs, you know, that are kind of those overthinking dogs, sometimes they're suspicious of new treats. You know, you might have your your trail mix that you typically train with of some kibble and some little tiny pieces of chicken and maybe um, some little tiny pieces of dehydrated liver. And then maybe you throw in like, I don't know. Um, some different treat that the dog has never had. Some dogs are suspicious of that and they shut down a little. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's like that person that has, you know, the same sandwich every single day for lunch forever. 
um, you might not get them on a certain day to have like a kale quinoa salad. They might be like, nope, I'm sticking with my turkey sandwich. So some dogs are suspicious and that's kind of normal. You know, they pick it up, they put it down, they pick it up, they put it down. Um, they have to like decide. They're like a food critic. They have to put it in their mouth and it feel it around a little bit and then decide again. So if you have one of those food critic dogs, sometimes it's best just to stick with what you know is helpful and then maybe have them try new treats outside of a training session perhaps. Um, the other thing that happens with food sometimes, and I want you guys to be cautious of this, is sometimes we poison a food item by giving it prior to an event that might be aversive. So a, a perfect example of that is nail trimming. So let's say um, you're, let's say you're going to use cheese sticks because those are pretty easy to utilize. So um, you get your cheese stick out. Come on, dog, we're going to go over here and do nail trims. If the food is prefacing that aversive event, like a nail trim, pretty soon you may have ruined cheese. <laughs> and the dog might go, mm-mm, nope. <laughs> I don't want to eat that because I know what comes after that. Um, and so be cautious of that sometimes. Um, and again, that depends on the dog's history. It depends on, um, you know, how much they do like food. It kind of depends sometimes. But just be cautious of that because sometimes prefacing the food before an event that the dog might find aversive can kind of in the dog training world we call it poison we've we've attached we've attached an emotion or we've attached something to that food that the dog doesn't find pleasant and now we've kind of ruined the food <laughs> um, like if you've ever had an episode of being nauseous after eating something you oftentimes <laughs> later in life don't want to eat that like my mother as a child was nauseous and vomiting after grape soda and she never I think in her entire life has had more has had grape soda <laughs> so that's an example of how something has been poisoned um and so be cautious of that because sometimes we inadvertently will poison the food so um so what so when I talk about treats so let's talk about what that means and again I'm talking training treats so size is going to matter. Um, even with our large dogs, we like to cut treats into like, I'd say half of your pinky nail size when we're doing a lot of training. Um, so half of your pinky nail size. And I don't, in my own, now this is anecdotal experience, I find that people that are doing a lot of training with their dogs, they're not making them overweight. Usually the dogs that are overweight um, are getting a lot of snacks. So remember we talked about snacks, like they're doing, they're laying in the kitchen and their owner just wants to share something with them and they get a giant milk bowl for like sitting on their bed. So there's a high calorie dense food that they're just getting in addition to their own food. And so when we do training, I really like to use food that is kind of parallel um, that would that I could swap for a meal. So what kind of treats could I be using that are going to swap out what some of their meal is going to look like? Okay, and again, you have to, with smaller dogs, that's a bitter, bigger consideration because you have a five-pound Yorkie and, I mean, you can't use treats all day. <laughs> you have to find something. You have to be more effective, I think, in your training um, because we can't use as much food. So what would that look like? So some of my favorites, I just kind of made a list of what some of my you know favorites are. One of the things we use here a lot that we sell is called Happy Howie's, and it's like a meat roll. Um, Pet Fresh is another one. Fresh Pet, sorry, Fresh Pet is another one. Um, but Happy Howie's is like this little meat roll that you can cut into tiny, tiny little pieces. So it's great for all size dogs because you can cut it into little tiny pieces um, and refrigerate it. So both of those products need to be refrigerated. But you can make the sizes really small. Um, so that's kind of one of our favorites. Um, dehydrated dog food is really popular right now. So at most dog foods will carry some kind of dehydrated food. Um, it's usually pretty meat-based. Um, 
And those, again, that's a swap for some of their meals. So if I'm going to use that for training or I'm going to use it out on a hike and I'm going to reinforce my dogs for like voluntary check-ins and come when called, um, I'm going to use something that I might um, use as part of their meal for the day. Um, cat food is one of our favorites. It's really little. It tends to be smellier. And remember, smellier is always good in the dog world. Um, not always. Again, we have the bell curve. Some dogs are going to fall outside of that and they don't think it's fantastic. Um, but cat food is really tiny. Um, I think in my own experience, Stella and Chewy's raw blend, the kibble in that cat food is probably the smallest that's out there. So it's really tiny. It's really nice for scatter feeding. So that would be a food I'd choose for like a scatter feed. Um, you know, if you can get, um, and cat food comes in little bags. So you can buy like a small little bag and it will last you quite a while. We like to put the cat food, if we're using it for reinforcement, we like to put it in like a little creamer container so it's available. It's pretty easy to access. Um, your dog's own kibble. I mean, there's an easy one, right? Just take their kibble. Or maybe another protein source in that kibble, as long as your dog is tolerant of it and, and their tummy, they don't have any issues with their tummies. Um, so their own dog food, different kinds of dog food is often different. Um, maybe if your dog always eats like chicken or beef or duck, could you get a salmon food? Could you get, oh, I use Farmina makes a wild boar and I'll use that because that's different. My dogs typically don't get that in their food. Um, and then any kind of meat. So like chicken, pork, um, small pieces again, um, cause it's higher value protein. Um, any kind of, you know, boiled meat of some sort works fantastic. Hot dogs. I'm not a big fan, but you can use hot dogs. I just find them mildly repulsive myself. <laughs> so that's just a very personal preference. <laughs> some people, you know, they work fantastic for their dogs. Um, cheese, um, so regular, just mozzarella cheese sticks. If you guys have trained here, you know, we buy it in very big bulk. Um, my other favorite for picky dogs is smoked cheese. Um, so little smoked cheese sticks, um, that they sell in the grocery store. Um, so you can puree your own food to put it in those little pouches. I mean, that works fabulous too. Um, so there's a lot of different things. Um, I listened to a veterinary behaviorist, Dr. Amy Pike. Um, I was at a seminar of hers and, she was talking about nutrition. We were talking about nutrition and behavior and a lot of the, the beginning correlations we're starting to see and some prescriptive foods and, um, you know, amino acids that they're starting to utilize in behavior work for dogs with behavior issues. Um, and one of the things she was talking about for dogs that typically that might have allergies are marshmallows, um, just dried like hot cocoa marshmallows. Um, and she uses those with cats. She said cats find them fantastic. So <laughs> that's another thing we're going to add into our repertoire here, um, our marshmallows. And it comes from a veterinarian who did a lecture on behavior, a veterinary behaviorist who did a lecture on behavior, so it's safe. <laughs> and obviously it's not going to make up the bulk of your dog's food by giving them marshmallows. But what a fun little, you know, interesting kind of treat to use. And they, they're very tiny, which is quite fantastic. So um, the other thing to consider are... Um, mechanics, like what's going to be easier for you to deliver? So, you know, perhaps maybe there's some mobility issues and bending down is harder to deliver. Um, perhaps maybe um, there are some um, mechanics in your hands, like arthritis or something like that, that make might, might make food more difficult to deliver. So then you can kind of play with how you cut things up. Um, maybe for some people that is really difficult to grab out of a treat pouch and deliver food to their dogs. So the squeeze pouch might work really well for that. Um, in the winter, if you're walking dogs and you need something to deliver fast here in Wisconsin, it's cold and we have big mittens on and it is hard to get the mitten off your hand into the treat pouch and deliver. So some of those little food pouches work fantastic for those kinds of things. 
So, um, so lots to consider there. I think, um, the other thing that is sometimes helpful if your dog does have allergies, one thing that I've done is oftentimes the allergy prescription foods have a canned version. And even mixing that up with a little bit of water and putting it in a squeeze pouch, it's novel to the dog. Like it's a different way to eat it. And sometimes that will get their attention if you're limited on what you can utilize. Um, and Dr. Pike had mentioned the marshmallows for dogs that are allergic because they typically don't have any of the proteins that might tip off some kind of intolerance in the dog. So there's a little, a little hot tip for you. So think about um, kind of the high points for, for ch choosing training treats would be um, what, what, uh, what what things would you use for your dog that you could swap out for a meal? I think that's the biggest piece. Um, what size? Um, how are you going to deliver them? Um, and what's just going to be easy for you? Um, and then I'd come up with a mix, you know, make a little um, trail mix um, of your dog's kind of top favorites to stick in your treat pouch. And then you'll be, you'll be set to train. <laughs>